Hello, and welcome to episode 156 of Pop Culturally Deprived, where each week we watch a movie I've never seen before, which is still most of them, and talk about the good, the bad, and the Wayback Machine. This week, we're going to be talking about Tron on your End of Line podcast. technology on Twitter at Mandy K. And I'm Matthew Vose. I'm just a program. I have a user somewhere. I'm at Matthew Vose on Twitter. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that that's fine. <laughs> I just come up with these on the spare of the moment, as you can tell from the high quality of the comedy. Um, Absolutely. So we've been doing this for three years now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, pretty much this week at the time of recording, because we are having to get so far ahead of ourselves. But, you know, happy February, everyone else. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a few films that we've done, and probably a number of films that we've done, that are the stereotypical, I can't believe you've never seen Die Hard or Ghostbusters or mm-hmm. a, a few films like that. There, there, mm-hmm. there are a lot of films that we've covered that, like, you know, I, I can forgive someone for not seeing Hello, Dolly. <laughs> for for right. instance, but there are these certainly for our generation sort of really really standard films that everyone's seen. Mm-hmm. There is something about Tron, and I'm not entirely sure. As I've delved into it and thought about it more, I'm not sure what it is. But there's something about Tron that I just assume everyone's seen it. I can I can understand Die Hard and Ghostbusters. You know, they're a little out there. They're a little genre. Um, or, you know, the the sort of action violence of Die Hard. I can kind of understand someone saying, no, you're not seeing that. Tron's a Disney film. It's family friendly. <laughs> There's a slightly strange thing that it's 1982. So it's a little bit for our generation. We wouldn't have seen it at the cinema necessarily. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly when I was speaking to, so I reached out on Facebook and spoke to a few people who are, you know, a, a few years older than us. And they did see it at the cinema and it did have a massive impact on them. But at the same time, I just assume all my friends have seen this. I think your bias is showing computer nerd. Well, this is, this is perhaps the thing. Is it just self-selection that because I, you know, hang out with nerdy types like me, this is a film we've all seen? I think so. Honestly, this is not a movie I ever heard anybody talk about. But let's step back, you know, and talk about someone who's into nerdy comic-y, computer-y, sort of sci-fi type interesting things. How mm-hmm. come you've never seen this? Okay, but see, I didn't know that I was a nerd until after college. Okay. <laughs> I was so fundamentally sheltered and, like, oppressed, suppressed, whatever. Like, I didn't know who I was and, and what I liked until I was out of college and kind of was given this space. To figure those things out about myself, okay. which is when I started kind of heading down the Doctor Who, Buffy, Marvel, like right. all of those things. And, and so this was honestly not a movie that ever came across my radar. I mean, I'm pretty sure I've, I had heard of it by that hmm. point. But then it would have just fallen into, oh, that's from the 80s. And anything I would have ever seen just looked so horribly outdated right. that I had no interest okay. in it. 
And then I, I didn't know what it was about. Okay. I still didn't know what it was about uh, when I started watching it today. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure I know what it's about. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so after college, did you have like a nerd coming out thing <laughs> with friends and family? Like, guys, I, I need to tell you something. You know, I've realized something about inside. But that's not diminishing anyone else's experience, <laughs> obviously. Just. <laughs> no, um, unfortunately, I was still too much of an introverted hermit. <laughs> <laughs> at that point so no it it was just all internal yeah were you just surrounded by jock culture you just had to be a jock what was I your... no I just I read I that's all I did Ugh, I just nerd. read books all the time <laughs> I didn't I mean so in high school I did watch a lot of tv but it was the the WB lineup the primetime WB lineup okay. so that was like mainstream Dawson's Creek Charmed Buffy Roswell you know, some of it's in the more like supernatural fandom vein, but it was that's what teenagers watched yeah, then, right. right? Like I was doing what everybody else was doing. Okay. And granted, some of it stuck with me because we all know Buffy is the best <laughs> television show ever made. But, you know, it just took a while for me to get to where I am now. Okay. So I never saw Tron. Yeah, it's I, I, I want to say if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Tron, let me know or something. I'm fairly sure, like, you're not going to listen to this unless you've seen Tron. So we're even <laughs> self-selecting on the audience, aren't we? Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. We do have some people who wait to listen to us to see if they want to watch it. Because they want to know if one or both of us enjoy the film before mm. they make their decision on whether or not to watch it. So, you know, there may be some people who make their choice based on this conversation. So if it's 2022... And you are listening to this whilst commuting and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm glad I finally saw Tron. Let us know. <laughs> Maybe. I had to have a chat to my mum about this because okay. I can't even really remember seeing Tron. It's just, and this ties into the discussion we've just had, it's just a film I've seen. Okay. Like, so it's just been a part of your world. A- absolutely. I have this vague memory of walking down a street and being told we're going to see it and i think sitting in like the first or second row of a cinema watching it Mm -hmm. but i can't remember actually watching john or uh, and the effect of the film on me it is just part of this is what films are going to be like okay now i I wouldn't have seen it at the cinema when it came out (laughs) because i was like zero or one right (laughs) (laughs) maybe just about so speaking to my mum, she thinks we went to see it probably on a re-release, maybe 87, 88, something like that. She thinks it was probably some one of the provincial towns in Surrey that we lived near, an Oxstead mm-hmm. or an East Grinstead. Um, but she also thinks we had it on video, but I can't remember that we owned it, so I suspect we recorded it off TV, maybe, and it was just something that got put on. Apparently I loved mm-hmm. it, but I think that's going to be a visuals thing. Okay. Because I can't yeah. see anyone loving this for the plot. I don't know. If you're like eight, you might. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, for what you would understand of the plot. Yeah. He does get to kiss the girl. So, great. <sighs> yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> so, it's a, re- it's a really strange one to, to talk about. Like, even having it on the list has been unusual. Of, well, no, but she's seen Tron. Everyone's seen no. Tron. It's just <laughs> cultural osmosis. At some point in your life, you've seen Tron. And and I, I think we'll get into a little bit more of what actually stands out from this film over what this film could be remembered for. So perhaps we okay. should get through the first bits and then we'll get into the conversation. Sure. Cool. What's Tron about? All right. So IMDb says, 
A computer hacker is abducted into the digital world and forced to participate in gladiatorial games, where his only chance of escape is with the help of a heroic security program. Do you want to know my synopsis? Yeah. It's a live-action Wreck-It Ralph. Would we actually say Wreck-It Ralph is the animated version of Tron? Well, yes, but I mean... (laughs) Meets Toy Story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the only difference is that... um, Tron has the user experience as well. It's not yeah. just the digital world, whereas Wreck-It Ralph is the life of the digital characters, people, mm. whatever. But, I mean, that's essentially what it is. The mm. MCP is King What's-His-Face in yeah, I Wreck-It I Ralph. I can't remember his name. I can't yep. remember his name. Yep. You know, and Alan is Ralph, and Tron is Vanellope, and it, it's just, it's, yeah. Uh, uh... That, and that's how I see it. It's absolutely a live-action record, Ralph. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Tron is a 1982 American sci-fi action-adventure film written and directed by Steven Lisberger. It stars Jeff Bridges, Bruce Boxleitner, David Warner, Cindy Morgan, and Barnard Hughes. Lisberg was inspired to make Tron after he saw the game Pong for the first time in 1976. He wanted to create a film that would open up the world of computers and video games to everyone. Lisberg and his business partner Donald Kushner set up an animation studio in 1977 to develop Tron. The project caught the attention of computer scientist Alan Kay, who came on board as an advisor and convinced them to use CGI instead of only hand animation. Lisberger and Kushner were turned down by Warner Brothers, MGM, and Columbia Pictures before they finally found a home for the film at Walt Disney Studios. Tron was one of the first films to make extensive use of any form of computer animation, but the technology to do so didn't actually exist at the time, so the frames had to be produced one by one with a camera placed in front of a computer screen. It was nominated for Best Costume Design and Best Sound at the Academy Awards, but not for visual effects, because at the time, the Academy viewed the use of computers to generate the effects as cheating, which I find spectacular. Amazing. And 14 years later, they finally gave it the Academy Award for... Right. Well, special they gave the creator yeah. of the effect, mm. the Perlin sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, 14 years later. Yeah, crazy. So they finally caught up. Yeah. And now we have movies that are just CGI. Yeah. Winning for visual effects. Exactly. So mm. how okay, so I'm gonna assume you own this one if it's just part no. of your world. Really? No. I, I, and like I say, I can't remember ever having actually owned it. I can't remember having it on video. So we must have taped it and it's just one that got brought. I wonder, okay. I, I wonder if there's something in it that it's the sort of you know, friends with kids talk about like, oh, I've seen Toy Story a million times or you know X film a million mm-hmm. times it was just played over and over and over again I wonder if this was my film like that okay that it was Maybe, just yeah. put on to keep Matthew happy okay yeah because I just cannot really remember <laughs> watching it just I just know I have seen Tron all right interesting so it's on Sky so it's on Sky <laughs> <Yeah>. okay <laughs> um it's not on any of the subscription services here mm. but you can rent it on Amazon Google Play uh Apple movies all of those places yeah, nice so. okay uh you read out a good cast list so particularly we've got Jeff Bridges Bruce Boxleitner and David Warner where have you seen them um Jeff Bridges is just kind of pop cultural icon mm-hmm. like i looked through his filmography and was surprised there were only a few things that i've seen him in um we have previously done a movie on the show um the big lebowski i think that was like god episode three mm-hmm. 
of PCD, I think, um, with, with my friend Kevin was on that one. And I've seen Iron Man and I've seen Stick It, which is an amazing movie about gymnastics. Right. He plays the gymnastics coach. I love it. Yep. That's really it. I was shocked when I looked at his filmography. That's it. Okay. But I know who he is. Yeah. Everybody knows who he is. He does do good stuff. Um, although I do kind of mix him up with Kurt Russell sometimes. Yeah, that that confused me. That I mix him up with Kurt Russell? Yeah. That confuses you? <laughs> yeah. They kind of look the same. Okay. Especially now <laughs> when they do the the wavy hair and the beard. Okay. Matthew disagrees with me. <laughs> All right. Um, Bruce Boxleitner, this is hilarious. The reason I know who Bruce Boxleitner is is because my mom had the biggest crush on him when I was a kid. Okay. He was on this television show called The Scarecrow and Mrs. King, which um, I had to look up to see actually what it was about. It's it's um, like a spy show. Bruce Boxleitner played like a special agent who was undercover and his ops name was Scarecrow. And Mrs. King was a divorced housewife who like they happenstance ran into each other and she ends up getting involved with the agency and they end up solving crime together. Well... It was my mom's favorite show, and she loved Bruce Boxleitner, so I've always known who he is because oh, of that. Interesting. Okay. And he's done lots of various TV and some Hallmark stuff and things like that. Yes, yeah, so he's most famous, I think, for potentially this, but for Babylon 5. Mm, yeah, see, I haven't the, seen Babylon 5 yet. Yeah, me neither. But Ooh. being in geek culture, it's a thing you know, and Babylon 5 was a... Okay. Hmm. Yeah, nope, he's the Scarecrow and Mrs. King. That's what I think of okay. every time I see his face or his name. Interesting. Have not even heard of it, I'm afraid. Um, and he's he's another one of those, like some of the Star Trek actors, just mm-hmm. crops up in sci-fi TV shows. Yes. Things like Heroes and the, the um, mm-hmm. CW shows, things like that. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was in Supergirl. Mm-hmm. That's right. He, takes it, he was the vice president and ends up taking over. He was the Donald Trump guys. analogy, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Star Trek actors, mm-hmm. this also has mm-hmm. David Warner in it, who we it. have seen a few times in some Star Trek movies. Um, and I mean, that's where I know him, various TV shows, because he, he just crops up in things. And then he was also the one of the bad guys in Titanic. Okay. The the James Cameron one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we didn't... We, so we talked about him on Star Trek in the movies. We didn't talk about him on Star Trek The Next Generation, the TV show. Correct. Because he is very famous from being in Star Trek, The Next Generation, the TV show. He's Gull Madrid, who tries to convince Jean-Luc Picard that there are five lights. Oh, cool. Yeah. I did not remember that. No, he is a proper Star Trek actor. Mm. Okay. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, his name pops up in Star Trek Mm. for various characters all over the place. And we recently saw him in Star Trek VI. Exactly, and Star Trek V. I think so. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, Tron, having now seen this film that I assume everyone has seen, did you enjoy Tron? I did. It it took me a little bit to get there. Mm -hmm. I had to get past some of my more modern sensibilities. Okay, such as? (laughs) I mean, has anybody who made this movie ever actually seen a computer? (laughs) I mean, at this time in the life, had anyone? (laughs) I mean, this is pre-mobile phones. Pre the internet, I know. Pre, yeah, the home computer. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. But the, I mean, so I, it was hard to t- kind of try and reconcile what I know about 
the origin of technology mm-hmm. and where it came from and where it is now with kind of the groundbreakingness of this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I recognize the special effects and all of that were absolutely groundbreaking and they were phenomenal and wonderful. Like I could imagine like sitting in a movie theater in 1982 and having my mind blown mm. watching this. Right. But at the same time, I kind of felt like, you know how when germs were discovered and. Okay. <laughs> I love that you're looking at me like this. Like, where is she going? This has gone to a place. <laughs> this has gone to a place. Like, so, so back when, when germs were discovered and they were trying to make people understand what they were, it, it seemed utterly ridiculous to people that there were these little creatures, like wee little creatures that were inside of us <laughs> making us creatures. sick. Okay, yep. Yes. <laughs> and I kind of felt like that's what we were getting here, right? We have wee little creatures inside the computer programs running it. <laughs> <laughs> and it just felt like a very early, early interpretation of technology, which it is. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. It was, it was weird. The thing that sort of stood out to me is the difference in what we understand as a computer and how we use computers. Because this was a time when they weren't quite rooms anymore, but they were big ass devices. Right. And you would type some code and run a program. Mm-hmm. And, and that program would run and give you some sort of output. So it was, I think the trailer even says it's like, you know, an extension of human intellect or something. So it's. It's a tool for solving something you can come up with in your head. Whereas right. what we use the computer for now, the computer is a tool that allows us to use computer stuff better. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe Excel was a thing. Spreadsheets weren't really a thing even at this point, And spreadsheets changed mm-hmm. the way we do finance and accounting and look after those things. Right. And, and the idea of the home office. Um, a computer wasn't envisaged as being able to do that sort of thing yet. So the idea of a program, a single bit of software that does something is very different now to i think and maybe this is just the difference with browsers because browsers are the main things we use computers for frankly um you know you know interacting with the internet and doing Mm -hmm. doing things online a browser is not a single program that does one thing Mm -hmm. effectively so you, you could not represent chrome as a dude right i think right i think i mean you could they'd be a weird dude but no i think chrome would be the arena yeah. Mm. And, and I mean, that's the thing they do in Wreck-It Ralph. They have them, certainly in the second one, visit the internet. Mm, and it I've is this landscape. Second one has a whole Tron sequence in it. Ooh. Mm. That's kind of meta. <laughs> so, so like, watching it, it was really interesting to think, like, yeah, when they were making this, and if you talked about computers, you were talking about a program being, oh, you have written this bit of code, and it's going to go off, and it's going to crunch all these numbers and come back to me with an answer. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I might have... Excel, Power BI, R, some sort of data thing where I look at that data and analyze it and spit out some answer. It's not just doing something within this black box that we don't necessarily see what happens anymore. Right, right. Mm. Okay. I did find it interesting that the way they anthropomorphized the computers, I mean, they gave them emotions Mm. and desires, Mm -hmm. which is... I'm not really sure. Like, it, it felt weird to me. Again, that felt like they're trying to, I guess they were trying to envision a world that, that they couldn't quite grasp yet. Okay. I mean, this is basically what Pixar have done since 96. What if X had emotions? 
So when mm-hmm. you're saying, you know, this is Wrecky Ralph, yeah, absolutely. This is them saying, what if computer programs had their own society and could think for themselves but still had to do what we told them to do? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, that is exactly what happened here, for sure. And I find, I find, and I don't know whether this is just because it was picked up by Disney, but I find it really interesting that this is so family friendly. My, my brother-in-law right. pointed out that this is the start of a chain of films that goes through uh, the Lawnmower Man, uh, Hackers, Johnny Mnemonic, The Matrix in some ways, mm-hmm. but all of which are visualizing the use of computers as sexy, sexy action hacking, mm-hmm. but, you know, more adult crime related type stuff. Whereas this is just right. computers and the uh, beautiful vision of the future that we get from them. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's because this came first. Mm. You know, this this created the door for those other movies to walk through. Yes. Yeah. I think. Mm. And and when you think of those other films, I think this film does really well in what it delivers. I think it's almost more on point now than it was then. I mean, no one says the word AI or, or says artificial right. intelligence, but that's what the MCP is. It is an AI mm-hmm. improving itself to eventually become Skynet, pretty much. Yes, um, yes, again, exactly. Again, using an analogy from a couple of years later. Um, right. I mean, this is the beginning of Skynet, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the, the the program is taking over a company. What's going to happen next? It's going to go beyond that, and that's when we get Skynet. Yeah. So this is just a tiny, tiny piece of that picture. Mm. So it's like it is everything that's in the discussion about AI at the moment, about having it online so we can learn from things, about having our phones and our digital personal assistants learning to be able to help us more. Mm-hmm. That is what these things... I mean, Clue and Tron, that is what they are. And that's what the MCP mm-hmm. has become even more so. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I think it's fascinating just how well the film has stayed relevant, has almost become irrelevant because everyone saw it and everyone knew it and it was just, oh, it's a silly kid's film with flashing lights. And now it's like... Oh, when you look at it, this has got a really solid message about computer systems and throwing shields to take them out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I couldn't tell if this is intended to be a commentary on computers and and technology taking over, or if that's just an accidental byproduct of the story they decided to tell for entertainment purposes. Yeah, I I, I, I don't mm, know. I think the second of those. Okay. Mm. All right. I mean, and I I think the story itself is very clever, and I think the story could even be repurposed today. Granted, I don't I don't know what the second one's about. Okay. So maybe they did. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think the story, um, like the bones of the story, could absolutely still tell something very compelling today, just with better technology and graphics. Right. Like the execution of the story didn't really hold up mm-hmm. because we understand technology now. Yeah better than we did then but i think the the idea for this movie was very clever and and that's interesting so i don't think that the story lets the technology down i mean the core story is typical 80s he needs to get from point a to point b to do his mm-hmm. thing it's everything we see in things like the dark crystal and mm-hmm. all the pixar films um you know it, it's fairly rote sort of writing Okay, but the obstacles they put in his way are so new and different from what had come before. Mm-hmm. But I don't think any of that is actually speaking to technology, although it's still trying to carry out the core metaphor as what if inside your computer was a little civilization. Right, <laughs> right. 
Because I thought at the beginning, when the MCP takes him into this world, the world needed to be called something. The world needed to be called Tron. Call the OS Tron, if that's what your title the film wants to be. Because there's no, re- there's no point of calling this film Tron, frankly. Right, because Tron's not actually the main character, the protagonist, you know, and... yeah. The film He's just kind of there. It doesn't treat him as quite as important as the title implies. Right. Which is a bit weird. When Flynn is brought into the world of Tron, um, he I thought he was actually going to get the evidence he wanted. So it was effectively gonna be he actually starts out with the thing he needed. Whereas most films of this type are like you're seeking something, seeking something, and then you get it at the very end. Right. But it wasn't. Just at the end it then spits out the thing he needs. Because of reasons. Because <laughs> suddenly <laughs> there's no security protocols on their interconnected system. Don't know. Yeah, that plot device, plot money, whatever. Yeah. It didn't make sense, but it tied everything up in a neat little bow. Mm-hmm. But when he gets there, it is very much just... I mean, he stops being as active as he was. He's just sort of pushed around a bit. And then eventually Tron says, I need to get there to speak to my user. Mm-hmm. And I think when they get there, they realize he can get out. Maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So the, the movie does have... It has a couple different things going on, and I'm mm. not sure that they work super well together. Right. Because you you have the whole story of Flynn wanting to prove that he really wrote the programs that made... The other guy, that the, the other guy stole, David games. Warner's character mm, stole. Yeah. yeah, the video games. So you've got that as like that's the bookend for this, right? Mm. That's driving how we get dragged into the world. But the movie itself is about what happens inside this virtual world. It's about how the programs interact with each other, mm-hmm. and like letting a user see that and taking down the MCP. Not actually about taking down the David Warner's character. Sorry, no. Dill- What's his Dillinger. Name? Dillinger. Mm. Um, and I think those two stories could have been interwoven together better mm-hmm. than they were. Mm-hmm. So it kind of got a little bit muddy. But I think for it's forgivable given all of the work they had to put into making it look good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'll give them. Because they're, they're two different departments. Writing it and making it look good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really hard because the the plot is not a thing you comment on with Tron, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Because it, its legacy is about the way it looks and the way it presents stuff and the coolness of the world it presents. I mean, mm-hmm. there's bits of the graphics, that, that opening where it shows the sort of, you know, bits and bytes going up and down and left and right that then becomes the city at night. I, I mean, that was 100% stolen for the Matrix. <laughs> they absolutely ripped that shot off. Okay. This is a film that is utterly in our pop culture. And I think I, I'm almost interested now for you to go to, you know, in generally watching stuff, to suddenly see like, oh, that dude's dressed up like a, you know, Tron dude. Or, oh, they're playing the light cycle game. Okay. Because these are just things you see in places and things you see referenced. and Okay. Um, And I suspect you have seen it, but you've just not realised. Either you've not realised what right. the reference was or you knew it was Tron because, like I say, it's just... Cultural osmosis? Yeah, no, I would have not known that it was Tron. Okay. 
at all. Okay. Had so you hadn't seen the light cycle races and the throwing the shield thing before? Um throwing the shield reminded me of Captain America. Like I could see maybe they took his some of his fighting stances from the way Tron threw his disc, but that's the only thing. Okay. It seemed familiar. Right. Uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, you need to you need to now shout them out when you see these things cuz All right. I did get um, a slight Star Wars feel from it. Mm. Yeah. With the the carrier and mm-hmm. the way Sark kind of was standing over everybody and his little tank commanders felt like stormtroopers a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, we'd had... Star Wars came first, so... Star Wars films at this point, maybe even just yeah. about three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this was them absolutely looking for, you know, another thing they could spin into that sort of world. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost don't know why they didn't. Like, it was popular. It did well. How come this never had a franchise? Yeah. Well, I mean, it. there were novelizations and video games that spawned from it, right? Oh, it, it, eventually. I can't remember there was anything at the time. Maybe there was, like, a light cycle video game, but not the game of the movie. And there wasn't a sequel or... Mm. No, there was a TV series. Yeah, for the sequel. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, there really wasn't a lot, was there? And it's a little surprising. Maybe it was just the expense of having to do these sorts of effects. Maybe. I did read that um, this was the first movie that used something called backlit animation to do a lot of the effects. Okay. And it was so expensive, no other feature film ever did it again. Okay. Fair. (laughs) Now, that's interesting, So I'd assumed some of it was, um, you know, we talked about rotoscoping, mm-hmm. but like the animating on top of the Disney things. I wondered if it was something along those lines of them, adding some animation that way. I don't know. I read this whole long thing about it, and I didn't entirely understand everything I was okay. reading, so I don't know enough about the technology. Hmm? Tron was originally meant to be released at Christmas 1982, but the chairman of the board found out the release of Secret of Nymph was... In early July, he rushed it to a summer release to be able to compete with that film. Which I think was a terrible idea, because it ended up competing against some really yeah. heavy hitters. Blade Runner and e. Poltergeist? I mean, if, you, e. if you're looking at the same audience, E.T. Yeah, yeah. You don't go up against Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it did relatively well, I think, at the, the box office, but they... Thought it was a financial disappointment. The studio thought it was a financial disappointment, right. I think. Okay. And that's actually probably why it didn't get the franchise mm. that you would have expected it to. Which is a shame. Because there are good ideas in this. I think I think that core metaphor. And, and, you know, could you have something just set inside the world of Tron? Could be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Could do some fun stuff. You could even just have one about the gladiatorial events. Great. I'd watch that. I mean, I'd watch one of them, to be fair. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hmm. Although, I mean, once they take the MCP down, though, is there really a story left to tell in that world? Who knows? Who can say? I mean, there's a sequel. I mean, there's a sequel, so I can't say. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So... Given that this is a movie that you can't actually remember watching, but it's always just been a part of 
your culture, your nerd culture. Mm-hmm. Are there things in this that you love that, that you just think are standout from watching it again? I, I think it just has to be the visuals. Just, I mean, I think it stands up. I, I don't know if what I watched was a remastered version or something. It just looks great. There's nothing in it that makes me go, oh, that's a bit. The, you know, the back projection's not great or the, mm-hmm. the matching up of their movements to the computer effects is not great. So, stuff that in other films throws you out a little bit and just makes you go, ah, oh, they've just not quite done that well enough. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like that. It's so well done. Mm-hmm. And, and incorporating the computer technology, the, the traditional animation te- tech, as it were, it's great. It's, it's a beautiful film. It's really interesting to watch. It's engaging. I've sent... This is why I was chatting to my brother-in-law because I'm like... Hey, if my nephew hasn't seen this, I think he might quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I'm hoping he does watch it. So, I'm putting reports back. He's getting to watch cool. Star Wars this year, though. So, you know, <laughs> nothing else gets a look in. <laughs> right, right, of course. Okay, yeah, it's great. So, I mean, did it stand out to you given given its age? Did you have any impression from the visuals of it? I mean, I recognized that they were phenomenal for the time that it was made. Like I okay. I was shocked that these came out of 1982. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I could see and honestly now that I'm thinking about it though, I'm thinking that what I noticed was style more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Like the style is very clearly 80s. Mm. Late 70s, early 80s. Um which is not something that generally appeals to me, but the execution of that style was pretty flawless yeah i think so yeah i mean i that was something i commented on in my notes i think nice. that it was pretty stellar mm. so was there anything i mean you liked the visuals then but was there anything in the plot or in the film itself that you thought that's good that makes this film worthwhile those are two different questions <laughs> <laughs> and and i want you to I answer think, them both. okay hang on the visuals <laughs> make this film worthwhile okay I will tell you that. The visuals make it worthwhile. Right. Watching um, this movie change the landscape of film. Yes. And that makes it worth watching. Okay. Regardless of anything else. Um, there were a few lines in the movie that I really enjoyed. Um, and again, I, I I don't think that this movie was trying to make some sort of social commentary on technology. But there's a line that um, Barnard Hughes has. He says... Computers and the programs will start thinking and the people will stop. And I think, God, that's such a prescient line. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> it really is. I wonder if they really knew, like, could envision what the world was going to be like today. Um, I mean, I doubt it. I, honestly, I doubt it. But mm. it is an interesting, interesting line. And then Tron had this adorable line. Um, he got really excited. They... They successfully, I can't even remember at which point it was. It was close to the beginning, but they successfully escaped and and started on their journey. And he turns around and looks at Ram and goes, we made it. And then there's this pause. And then he goes, this far. (laughs) And it just made me giggle. Yeah, It was so like innocent and cute. Mm. And yeah, that's all. Mm -hmm. I just, I liked it. Um, There's one thing I didn't like, and we didn't actually talk about this. Yeah, There was an utterly... Utterly unnecessary scene of kissing mm-hmm. between Flynn and Yori. Yep. Why? It, it didn't need to be there because the on, on the user side, he was no longer with the girl. I can't remember her name. Linda? 
maybe? Mm-hmm. Cindy Morgan's character. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly they had been together at some point, but they're not together anymore. She's with Alan. Mm-hmm. And within the world, her program, Yori, and Alan's program, Tron, are together. Mm-hmm. So why does Flynn come in and kiss her? Yeah. Like, why do they have the triumphant kissing scene? It doesn't make any sense. It's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Didn't like it. This is going to go to a longer conversation, so trust me for the opening gambit of it, but her character is unnecessary, both real world and in Tron's world. Mm. I, I think it could just have been Alan and Tron. I know, Alan and Flynn. Yeah. But I suspect they went, oh, we need to have a woman in here, though. Mm-hmm. And there's no way we can turn either of these characters into a woman. That'd be weird. <laughs> Guys, can we make the, like, heroic, you know, hacker person a woman? No. Women don't know computers. Okay. Can we make the heroic actually person a woman? No. No one would believe that. Come on, Bob. It, it, it It's tokenism, isn't it? And then yeah, because you have a yeah, woman no, I guess and is. you have hunky, hunky Jeff Bridges, who looks good. Yeah, <laughs> no, he does. You have Jeff Bridges. Um they have to kiss. They have to kiss. Now kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she is the one who has the clearance to get the men, and she's the one who gets... Uh, I, I can't even remember, but she's the one who gets, I think, Tron somewhere in the program world. Like, she does have a little bit of knowledge Maybe, that they needed. But... but it could have very easily been given to somebody else. Yeah. Like it, it was largely unnecessary, and yeah, and they didn't need. You know, I don't mind them including a woman, or including another right. character and making it a woman. But at the same time, none of the other characters are women, so it really does stand out. Like, oh lads, come on. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, mm. I I wouldn't have felt it as much if they hadn't done the kiss. No, honestly, yeah. it would have felt less tokenish and, and then they return to it because she kisses tron and i think kissing is now new in this world so she's like ah, it's a thing users do i can't even remember what yeah. the line was but okay okay right yeah pretty much mm. yeah that's it that's it Other, i mean overall i think it's good it's worth watching yeah if not only just because it was groundbreaking and that's the sort of thing we would pick up on because we're looking at it with a different lens than just watching a film. Yeah. So, yeah, probably. Mm, just, just taking it too far, frankly. <sighs> All right. Well, is there anything else that we need to discuss about Tron? Uh, are we doing the sequel? Yes. Cool, 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 cool. Good. I can't tell if you actually are excited about that or not. Yeah, very much so. Been a long time since I saw okay. it. So, yes, very much so. I was actually shocked to realize that the sequel came out in 2011. I thought it was more recent than that. Uh, 2010. End of 2010. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I seriously thought it was more recent than that. I didn't realize it had been a whole decade. <laughs> like, I'm so old. <laughs> I don't understand how time works, apparently. So we've got Nightwatch from last week. Day watch to watch. Watch, watch, watch. And then we've got Tron Legacy to watch, watch, watch. Okay. Good. We've got more stuff to add to the sequel. And it's quite nice because we did close out a few sequels last year. Mm-hmm. Um, or over the last year or so where we watched Bill and Ted and Wayne's World and a few other things like that yeah. so let's build that list up yeah. again well we've got a few more coming close out a few more franchises coming soon we do indeed 
All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can drop an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. Pop Culture Deprived is completely funded by listeners like you through Patreon. You can get access to exclusive content. You can get early access to the content. You can get exclusive merch and stickers and all sorts of exciting things. Plus, your support helps us to develop new shows and keep the network running to the high quality of content that you enjoy all the time. If you want to find out more, you can visit patreon.com slash gushing. And I went off script and it went very badly. Good. <laughs> And we will be back next week with another episode where we are going to talk about Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Until then, I am Mandy Kay. And I've gotten 2,415 times smarter since then. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.